There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello, welcome to another jam-packed show where we'll look back on England's brilliant 3-2 ODI win over the Kiwis with England's Johnny Bairstow. It's been a bit of a journey over the last 18 months, two years, and these last couple of series especially, I think it's five or six of them now on the bounce, just goes to show how, how much we're improving as a side, how much we're really pushing each other uh, within the squad to, to put in these match-winning performances when it when it comes down to it. Two huge exclusives in the Times this week that have rocked domestic cricket. Lizzie Ammon joins us on the show. Oh, well, it all started with uh, with news that Glamorgan uh, have received uh, a million pounds or just over a million pounds for not bidding for test matches, which caused uh, some people, including me, still a little bit of digging about whether anybody else is getting any compensation for not getting any test matches or not getting the matches they wanted um, and it turns out they are. And my old sparring partner Andy Caddick looks back at Edgbaston 1997 and that famous start to the Ashes summer in this week's Test of Time. That was a lot steamed up by the press wasn't it? Yeah. They, uh, they thought we never got on but we did. We just had was a bit of competition with each other which is you know healthy in the, in the, in the scheme of things and I think that just came across off the field as well as on but uh, buddies I think I think bowling buddies uh, through and through Glamorgan batting coach Matt Maynard previews their season and Goffey goes all theatre reviewer on us you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2 So, by the side of me, as usual, is Johnny Norman, and he's still in New Zealand. How are you still. doing, Johnny? Mate, it's it's absolutely tipping it down again. Oh, not again. Th- oh, yeah, listen, well, you should have your own travel show, you do. Because, hey, <laughs> all you do is come on here and moan about the weather in New Zealand. <laughs> you should come Mate. and live here. <laughs> well, we'll be back. Three cyclones <laughs> in the last month. It's, actually, although, to be fairness, I've been here so long... Okay, I got here in the spring, 
and I'm about to leave in the autumn. So there you go. Shall we talk a bit about cricket? Shall we? What a game. I tell you what, last week I was going on about what a brilliant series this is uh this has been. But that was that was just a brutal display by England. They just at no point did New Zealand look like they were going to win that game. Uh, not when Chris Wokes and Mark Wood took two early wickets and were uh, ridiculously accurate at the start. Um, when Williamson went, when I mean, I mean, New Zealand was shown up to be quite a poor team by England, I think. But credit where credit's due, Johnny Bairstow is going to be joining us later on the show. The only way New Zealand were going to get him out is if Johnny Bairstow ran himself out, or what actually happened was he absolutely. Well, I wasn't going to. I was about to swear then, but he absolutely knocked, he knocked his own stumps over. That was the only way they were going to get him out. He looked absolutely brilliant, and uh, England win a series in New Zealand and in Australia. That's not bad going. Yeah, listen, been really impressive, uh, England, for a long time now. Um, the World Cup is in 2019. It's going to be on home soil. Um, can't wait for that now. As I said on this show. A couple of months ago when they were in Australia, England's team is just about done. The the squad yeah. basically uh, picks itself, which is a good place to be in. Um, it's now we've won six successive ODI series against some good opposition um, as well. There's no reason they shouldn't be confident. Let's let's be honest about it. The only thing that surprised me is but against the New Zealand side, who the two top two seem to be fine, top three, Taylor when he's fit, top four. Mm. Their bowling lineup seems to be settled with Bolt and Southie, Santner yep. and Sodi. Well, Southie was, um, he only took two wickets, I think, all, all yeah, series. Yeah, he, he wanted his best, but he, he, he'll come back. Sweet England conditions, he does swing the ball. He's pretty yeah. decent at the death as well. New Zealand, basically, it's their middle order. They, yeah. Their middle order has let them down um, in this in this series without a doubt. Uh, without uh, the brilliance of Williamson and Taylor... Uh, throughout the series, it could easily easily have been five nil. Let's let's be honest about it. I was uh, I was on New Zealand radio a few times throughout this series, as you can imagine, and I was just putting forward the the suggestion that uh, two years ago, okay, well, just over two years ago, uh, 2015 World Cup, it was New Zealand that taught England how to play one day cricket in a way. Brendan McCullum, remember that, you know, and he had a chat with Owen Morgan after England had been blitzed in Wellington. Said you just need to go out there and express yourself, play free-flowing cricket, yada, yada. It just seems to me that New Zealand have kind of forgotten their own template. And when you look at the likes of Latham, who did admittedly put on two really important supporting roles with Taylor. Um, but when you look at Latham, when you look at Santner, when you look at Nichols, you know, they're three, they're test batsmen. They're not ODI batsmen. And if you don't get the brilliance, and it needed brilliance from Taylor on two occasions and Williamson nearly won a game for New Zealand as well. Mm. But you can't rely on brilliance every single game. And uh, unfortunately for New Zealand, as you say, I think it's back to the drawing board about how they want to play their 50-over game. Yeah, it's the, it's the middle over. You've got it spot on. And I think uh, De Grandom has, has got to learn as well as playing the shots he plays, which we, we all know he can play these shots. But he's got to have some in-game intelligence. And I think he's lacked in-game intelligence uh, during this series, he's got out in some strange ways when New Zealand have been in trouble. Um, he's just played one way and not even thought yeah. about seeing the team to a reasonable total. But England, been magnificent, I think, with uh, the new ball. 
Uh, Wokesy has been excellent throughout the series. Stokes coming back in. I think he's struggled a little bit with the ball. Not been at his, his fluent best yeah. with the ball. But that's understandable, be, though. That's I guess. Un- understandable. I think Rashid and Ali do a job in the middle. Um, and obviously, Tom Curran has shown signs, but he could make his, his place his own yeah. in, in, in that team. It's going to be difficult when Plunkett comes back. So I think Plunkett comes into the side uh, without yeah, a doubt. And then with a the bat. Uh, the only uh, question is, can we get Bairstow, Hales uh, and Roy into the same side? It seems to be Hales or Roy uh, to partner Bairstow at the moment. I think the three dangerous players, and um, if they're on form come 2019 World Cup, that could be a, a frightening top three. But I'll go back to the same same problem we've got, though, uh, Johnny. And I know mm. you're a fan of him. I'm a fan of him as a captain. But Owen Morgan is the only player who's going to have to who's going to have to miss out for it to get a Roy or a Hales in there and play all three of them together. Shall we have a little listen to see what, uh, or hear what the coach, Trevor Bayliss, had to say about Roy, Hales and Bairstow in the same team? Jason Roy today, unfortunately, with a, a bit of a bad back. Um, you know, and sometimes that allows uh, someone like Hales to come in and, and score 50-odd and bat really well and put his name back up in lights. One of the strengths of this team from a bowling point of view is that we've, we've got six options. Um, you know, when you've only got five options, uh, and if that means we'd have to drop another batter, well, uh, bowler, that means we've only got five, uh, five bowlers. And then in the one-day game, having that extra option and being able to... You know, some, nearly every day there's someone you know, where it doesn't quite bowl as well as I would like. So it's always good to have that sixth option. Mm, interesting. Uh, the point you make about Morgan, uh, well, to be honest, you've made both points. You've made both arguments there, Goffey, because you picked up on the on the big um, argument in his defence, I suppose. How can you ever get rid of a captain who has just captained his side to, to six, yeah. six series on the bounce against all sorts as well? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, if, if the team was losing, if we'd have lost this series, there might have been a, a, a case where you could say, oh, the, the one player really that's holding the team back, as in the batting lineup, is Owen Morgan. But as mm. a captain, when you're captain in the side and doing such a good job and you seem to have all the respect to the players around you and they can still play their own game, you can't. So it's a bit of a it's a it's a it's a situation which is kind of it's difficult to handle, isn't it? Because you've got the captain who's doing such a terrific job as a captain, but he's probably not scoring the runs he should be scoring. So may, may, maybe the fact that you've got Bearstow, Hales, and and Roy competing for those two spots just keeps the standards high there as well. Yeah, definite argument for that. So I think we, we're going to see. Um, England's next one-day lineup. It's going to have probably, um, especially in England, it'll probably have exactly the same uh, lineup you've just seen uh, with a bat. It'll be the top six. It'll be it'll be Bairstow. I would say Royal come back in. It'll be Root at three, Morgan at four, and Stokes at five, um, yep. Butler at six. That'll be uh, the batting lineup, and it, it deserves to be. They've been outstanding uh, as a team now. Like I said, for six consecutive series, they've been absolutely fantastic. I tell you what, we're going to go through the team and uh, you're going to give them your uh, marks out of 10. I'm going to do the same. And uh, I think whilst the batting is definitely settled, there's still a few little uh, angles that are definitely worth deliberating about the bowling. And we're going to be doing that very shortly here on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. 
Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Bartsing does Joe Root. That'll be six more. Clean strike, and that is 50 for Joe Root. Oh, high. Very high indeed. Ben Stokes wants it. Ben Stokes has it. And Martin Guptill has to come, and Chris Wokes fully, fully deserves that wicket. And again, make that three in a row. Josh Butler. Brilliant. Oh, he's got him. Thick outside edge. Didn't cost England at all, and Stokes has done it again. Just a couple of the highlights from England's uh, victorious 3-2 ODI series win over New Zealand. And uh, big thanks to Sky Sports uh, for that. OK, Goffey, let's go through the 11 then, shall we? Give them our uh, marking and uh, and see where we think this England team are. Shall we start with the man who's going to be joining us on the show a little bit later? Johnny Bairstow, top run scorer in the series for England. 302 runs and those back-to-back centuries right at the end, uh, the fourth and fifth match, just to absolutely cement his place at the top of the order for the foreseeable. Yeah, he got good starts, didn't he, in the, uh, in the first few games, but to come through those last, the final two games, 200s, um, one of them, I said that last one, absolutely brilliant match, winning one. You've got to give him uh, nine out of ten. Yep, I go with nine as well. Um, you know, and uh, it's funny, isn't it, because he was on the outer uh, at the start of the Champions Trophy, it was Hales and Roy at the top of the order. But now, it's, it looks to me, at least, it's, it's definitely between those two. Yeah, Hales and Roy. Um, he played one game, didn't he, um, Hales? He mm. came in in 61 um, uh, runs, which is not a bad uh, game to come in and, and put your case back, uh, back on it. Because Roy, although we know he's dangerous, uh, didn't really get going in this one-day series. It was a poor one-day series for him, if we're going to be honest. No hundreds, no fifties. Yeah. So I think Roy's got a bit of improvement. I think he gets off to some good starts. Uh, so even though he hasn't got a big score, he, he did get off to some good starts. So I'm still going to give him probably six out of ten. And Hales, yeah. it's, it's, it's very hard to judge Hales on, um, on on one game. But for the one game he played, I would say he's probably, you've got to give him an eight. <laughs> Um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, of course, that Jason Roy hit the highest ever score by an Englishman, didn't he, uh, at the MCG? But uh, a little bit boom and bust since then. He, he, three forties, two against New Zealand, one against Australia. But you know, pressure on, pressure on, Roy. He doesn't who, of waste any dropped. balls, though. He doesn't waste any balls, though, uh, Johnny. So I think Roy's going to come back into the side. Um, and when he does come off, he's a match winner right yeah. there. And yeah. the, I don't think they can afford uh, to leave him out of England's best eleven. Um, like I say, he doesn't waste any balls. If he's not in form, he gets out. He gets as out. Simple as that. So he doesn't waste any balls. He gets us off to a flyer. Even when he's out of form, he might be at the bit four or five fours in the first ten balls he faces, and that's a massive player to have at the top of the order. Number three, for me, um, he, he he's so good and so consistent. Um, and we uh, we expect such great heights from him that he often doesn't even get mentioned these days. But Joe, Joe Root at three is as model of, of consistency that I think you can get in the game. Um, I know Coley has the numbers over Root, but, you know, if Joe Root plays Sri Lanka every week like Coley does, Joe Root would have the same numbers. F- just frightening consistency. When you look back at the last couple of years in ODI cricket... Um, 
I mean, actually, there's an argument that uh, says if he could do that in the test game, then uh, he should be bumped up to three there. But he doesn't want to play. But I've given him an eight. But should it be a nine? Second top run scorer. Only one failure in five as well. Um, One fifty and a hundred. Maybe I'm being a bit a bit mean. I've given him an eight, but. What do, you, what do you reckon? I'd give him a nine. Um, mm. He's such an important player. You hear from um, uh, tip his teammates how important he is. He, he, he basically is the anchor. Uh, you talk about Williamson uh, for New Zealand. You need a player like that in your side. They are so important. Joe Root is that man. Um, an 100 in the series, a 50 in the series. Consistency um, is right there. Um, in Joe Root, and he offers gives you an option with the ball as well. So I'm I'm going to give him a nine. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, I'm just having a quick look at his his innings back to first of June last year, eighteen matches, and he's hit two centuries. He's hit one, two, three, four, five, six fifties, and he's only had two single uh, figure scores. I mean, it's. Uh, Absolutely marvellous. So, uh, Roots had another good series. Um, Morgan, well, I'd be interested to see. We were talking just uh, before the break. Sixth series in a row that England have won. Um, but where's the marking here? Is it just for his batting or is it for his captaincy? I mean, well, he has to get both, doesn't he? I mean, th- that's does really. the difficult one. It's so hard to judge Owen Morgan because from a cricketer's point of view, you want to see a few more runs from him. Because um, when he first came on the scene, his one-day cricket is like, wow, this this guy's taking it to another level, and I think now everybody's overtaking him. But because he's the captain of such a successful side, he's got to take some praise for it. So I'm going to give him I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Seven oh and no, half. you can't Pure. give him a half. Otherwise, I, I would have given a root eight and a half. So okay, is it well, seven I'll, or is it eight? I'll give him seven then, because like I say, yeah, I think he's. We're agreed. Yeah, I think captaincy uh, has been good. He needs to score a mm. few more runs um, with with the bat to secure his side, his place in that side, in the best 11. Uh, he played his 200th one-day international, by the way, in this series. Um, ben Stokes, there was so much spoken about him ahead of the series. Uh, he got a Man of the Match award in his second game. Uh, batting average of 47. Bowling not quite up to those standards. Five wickets for 180 runs, but... As we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, that's to be expected as he hasn't played a great deal of cricket coming in. Um, and just a feeling that, uh, once again with Stokesy, the best is yet to come. Yeah, the best is yet to come. A huge, huge player. Good to see him back playing um, with a bat. It's like he'd never uh, been gone. He'll have been disappointed with one of the shots I played. I think it was the fourth game. When, yeah, um, when England slumped and they yeah, lost five in. for 20-odd or something. Yeah, it was a poor shot from him, poor shot selection. He knew that, and I think he always holds his hand up with a bat. He's yeah. been outstanding with a ball. He's shown signs. He's shown signs. He's still a little bit of work to do. He's probably one of our most expensive bowlers at the top four or five bowlers. Needs to work on that a little bit, but that'll come with consistency in playing games. But I'm still going to give him a seven. He's such a main, he's yeah. such a big player for England, and inside runs, wickets, catches, seven. Yeah, I've given him a seven as well. I'd be interested about the next one, Joss Butler. What what uh, what mark would you give him? Because didn't really have that many chances with the bat. A uh, couple of dodgy moments behind the stumps, I thought. Yeah. Um, I. I can't work this one out. I, I'm, I'm almost erring in giving him a six. 
Oh, it's a bit harsh, I think he actually... Yeah. Uh, so when, when, he, when he was called upon, I thought he actually battered uh, pretty well. Another one that doesn't waste uh, too many um, too many balls. Um, and he, he adapts to the situation. Um, he likes to get his eye in when he, when he plays and he destroys bowling attacks um, at the back end. He didn't really have the opportunity. I think he's done all right with a bat. Yeah, the stumps, mm -hmm. you could be calling on, say, Johnny Bairstow, perhaps keeping wicket, but um, I'd, I'd give him a seven. OK, he did score 79 in the first match, 36 not out in the second and 29 in the third. So uh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. What about Moeen Ali then? He got a man of the match award. I thought he, he came to the party with ball over bat. Yeah, it didn't really get the opportunity with a bat, if we're going to be honest. But I think no, with a ball, three innings. Yeah, he, he didn't really get an opportunity at all. We've got such a uh, strong batting lineup, um, but with a ball, I think he's been outstanding. Uh, bowling in the middle overs, um, mm. his confidence Good is economy. there compared to Test cricket. It'd be interesting now how he comes back into the Test uh, side because he's coming going into it on the back of a decent bowling performance in the one day, so he might actually see the best of him. Uh, with a ball as well, but I think he's been pretty good. His uh, economy rate, um, not gone for hardly any, uh, bowling no, in the middle overs, and he's one of the reasons England have been successful. So, same again, I think I'm giving him a seven, purely for his bowling. OK, I've gone six again, but I, I'm, yeah, I just think his, his batting wasn't brilliant, but uh, the thing is with Ali, you... you when you when you when you look back at the last couple of years, I know that the Ashes didn't go so well, but in one day cricket, he's just been phenomenal. Um, I tell you who was phenomenal: uh, Chris Wokes, um, man of the series, ten wickets set for two hundred and three. And I saw one stat that said that the most runs he conceded in his opening five overs in the entire series was eighteen. Uh, didn't really have to bat, but uh, I've given him a nine. Yeah, listen, he's. Um... I think he's one player that has really cemented his place now in, in all forms of the game, uh, Wokesy. Um, he's improved so much over the last two years. There was so much inconsistency about him. Um, county cricket, taking wickets for fun, with England struggling. But over the last two years, he's improved year on year. Uh, he had a poor Ashes series, but everybody did. And in the one-day series here, he has been outstanding. On these pitches where they're just going to nibble a little bit, He's the mm. type of bowler that will just cash in. And we've got Jimmy to come into the side in the test team, <laughs> bowling in New Zealand as well. Him and Wokes are going to be an handful, let me tell you. Um, and he's been outstanding at the start and outstanding at the end. So, yeah, Wokes gets in a... Um, yeah, he gets a nine from me as well. He's been outstanding with the ball. What about Rashid? Interested to uh, see what you think of how he's done. Especially in such a big series after mm. announcing he's not going to be playing any more Red Bull stuff. Unlike Hales, he actually is an integral part of this team. First 11. Um, and I thought he impressed. His figures actually surprised me when I had a look at them. They weren't quite as uh, impressive as I, as I imagined. But when I was looking back at the actual games themselves, he made two massive impressions in two of England's wins. Um, and he just absolutely seems to be so much more confident um, about and assured about his place within this uh, ODI side. We never saw that when he played Test cricket. No, we didn't, uh, and it's a shame. Um, he knows my thoughts. I've spoke to him about my thoughts on him uh, packing in uh, the red ball. 
But it's his choice now. He's going to live with it. The only thing I'm worried about is whether he can ball enough overs to keep himself in nick um, to play in these ODIs. Because you're going to remember sometimes that's how you get noticed by playing Test cricket in the first place. When you just become a one-day player, it might be a little bit harder. But I'll go with you. Like I said, a wickets column's not huge uh, this series for Rashid, and he is a wicket taker. Um, but his economy rate. With Moen Ali uh, in the middle overs, he's been outstanding. Um, and I'm going to give him a seven. Um, mm, purely yep, for that. I'm going seven same with, as well. with, with a batting, not really had an opportunity. And he can bat as well. He's another one who can be dangerous right at the back end. Uh, but with a ball, middle overs, it's one of the reasons England won the series. Him and Moen Ali, outstanding. Tom Curran, a big series for him, and I think he did really well. Um, five wickets at 54 doesn't exactly scream success. But he bowled some at some very, very difficult points in the game. Um, at times, it seemed like Owen Morgan had either forgotten he was on the field um, or just didn't fancy him. But when called upon, I think, considering his age and inexperience, I think that uh, he coped pretty well. Yeah, he did. Uh, you, you, it's so hard to judge him, isn't it? Because he bowled a lot of his overs um, in, the, in the power plays or at the death. So he was our most expensive bowler. Um, on the tour, uh, didn't take many wickets either. So it's, it's an, but it, I agree with you. It's such an hard one to judge him on, and I'm not going to be too harsh on him because I think mm. he showed some serious talent, and he had a little bit cameo with a bat as well. Um, he did, yes, yeah, little cameo with the, the fourth ODI, yeah, in the fourth ODI at, at the end. I'm not going to be too harsh on him. Um, it's a six for me, but um, yep. It, it, I think it's that's down to mainly the captain not really giving him a, a proper opportunity. He's just been used as a, a strike baller in the power plays, Yorker bowler, slow ball bowler. Yep, I go with six as well. Um, time is against us, but we've got Willie and Wood left over. Two games for Willie, three for Wood, and I would imagine that both would feel slightly unsatisfied with the amount of game time they got, but also their performances on the field. Yeah, uh, Woody. Um, he's he's had he had a he's only played in three of the games. Um, yet again, he's just going to be bowling in the power plays. Uh, wasn't at his best. Uh, he had a little niggled in the leading into it. Um, I think that affected him. And Debbie Willie's just a good cover at this uh, level. If it's not swinging, um, it's kind of not really a huge asset to the side. T uh, twenty is going to be his forte. I think uh, Plunkett and Wood are the ones who are going to be fighting it out for the place in the 50 or the side. So I'll give Wood a six and Willie a six as well. Mm, yep, I'll go for that. So um, let's say the World Cup starts next week. Uh, would you agree with me? The team for that first match is Bearstone and Roy at the top. Yep. Root, Morgan, Stokes, Butler, Ali, Wokes, Rashid, all just, they just named themselves, didn't they? And that just gives uh, the selectors a decision. I think we both agree that Plunkett uh, offers pace, a back of a length um, uh, angle of attack, which uh, we don't have, but also has the ability to take wickets in the middle overs. In the middle overs, exactly. So he comes straight back in, and um, and then it's a fight out between, I would say, Curran and Wood for that uh, that final spot. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think it'll all be dependent on the conditions. If they think the ball will go through, I think Wood will get the nod. Um, If they think it'll be flat. Um, I think Curran will get the nod, nod purely because there is slow balls, he's Yorkers, 
and stuff like that. And one player I'm going to bring into it is Jordan. Let's not forget Jordan here. I think yeah, he's used I as agree. a T20 specialist, but I still think he's got a bit to offer in the 50-over game as well. Yeah, I think Curran's probably just coming ahead of him. But uh, but yeah, well, look, it's uh, been a wildly successful ODI series, not just in New Zealand, but Australia as well. But uh, we're looking good. If only the World Cup was next week, eh? Um, plenty more to come on the show. We're going to be joined by uh, Lizzie Ammon a bit later on. Johnny Bairstow. Uh, Lizzie Ammon's going to be talking about two exclusives on the back of the Times this week. Uh, Johnny Bairstow is going to be talking about uh, this, uh, well, his back-to-back centuries. Uh, Matt Maynard. Batting coach at Glamorgan's going to be with us. And also, uh, we're going to be joined by Andy Caddick, while the goffy is. Looking back at Edgbaston 1997, still in my top 10 games of all time, without doubt. And that's going to be a wonderful listen on Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Test of time! With Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. Yes, welcome back. You're listening to Talk Sport 2 and it's Darren Goff's Cricket Week. And welcome back to Test of Time. And what we've got for, t- for you today is one of my favourite teammates. We had a great partnership together uh, throughout our test careers. We both had, I would say, pretty decent uh, test careers. But we're going to look back on the 1997 Test Series versus Australia and in England. But we're going to specifically look at Edgbaston, the start of that series. And with me today, if you've not already guessed, is the man himself, Andrew Carrick. How are you doing, Caddy? I'm all right, Goffey. How are you? We're not bad, mate. Uh, not seen you since Craig White's wedding. Um, how, how's things been going? That's probably been a good thing, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a good thing, mate. I mean, yeah. let's just get this thing out there because I hear all these young cricketers, Caddy, saying that Goffey and Caddy never got on, they didn't have a relationship. We had a great relationship. Yeah, I hated you, and you hated me. What was new? Yeah, no, no. We, well, I think I think that was that was a lot steamed up by the press, wasn't it? Yeah. They uh, they thought we never got on, but we did. We just had what we just basically had was a bit of competition with each other, which is you know healthy in the in the, in the scheme of things. And I think that just came across off the field as well as on. But uh, no, you know. Buddies, I think. I think bowling buddies uh, through and through. I could say. Well, definitely, we were two different type of bowler. Um, I was at the batsman, skiddy, looking to hit the stumps, LBW. You was the uh, tall bowler, hit the seams, swing bowling uh, at pace, bounce, and looking to get him at caught in the slips. Would would that be the easiest way to describe us two? Uh, yeah, totally contrasting bowlers, and I think that's what benefited both myself and you. You know, you were you were skiddy, quick and skiddy, and I was. I was tall and bouncy, and and I think um, combinations are good to have. But if you have too much of the familiar bowlers, uh, you know, tall, fast bowlers, apart from the West Indies who, who used to used to bring them out the wardrobe every five minutes, um, <laughs> I think um, yeah, that contrasting short and tall attack from each end uh, was good was good and healthy for the England team at the time. And what I liked about you, Caddies, but you'd never shied out a bowling against the wind. <laughs> Well, yeah, hang on a minute. You know, I remember that one day we played up at uh, Durham and it was blowing an absolute hoolie. And you said to me, no, you're a better bowler than me. You better bowl into the wind because you're a far better. But that was your line all the time. Cads, you're a better bowler than me. The size of ears I've got on the side of my head is like wind socks running into a blooming wind. And you're sitting there running downhill with the wind. Oh, yeah, Caddy, you're a better bowler than me. You run into the wind. You run up the hill. Oh, yeah, carry on, Caddy. Well, that's called good management, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Good man, I've bigged you up. Do you know what I mean? But I always said it, Kelly. Kelly, listen, no matter what you say, um, nobody can ever take it away from me. The other people always ask me, the best bowl you've ever played with and one of the best I've played against is is Andrew Caddick. So I'm going to big you up there one more time on radio. It's the last time, but one more time for you, Caddy. I've got to put that in the record book then. If you're actually, that's the last time you're bidding me up. So I'll, I'll put that in me draw. Anyway, and we'll, let's go to this um, uh, this test series, 1997. As usual, I think we'd just turned the corner as a team. We were starting to play some uh, decent uh, cricket. And I think we went into this series in 97. Actually, I can remember the build-up to it, believing, believing we had a chance uh, to beat Australia. Because we'd had a bad run of it, let's be honest, against them. Um, you didn't tour 94 for some reason. I never could understand it, but you didn't tour in uh, 94, my first tour uh, to Australia. But this was the first time me and you were going to play against them as a bowling partnership. And we actually believed um, we could beat them, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And um, I think that's the first time as a unit uh, we had a really... I thought, I thought we had a really good side. And, and if you look back at the series... We even had people like um, Dean Headley coming in, making his test mm. debut, who was a heck of a bowler. You know, quick, pacey, bouncy. Um, he was probably quicker than all, all two of us. You know, he was well, probably quicker than all of us in the, in the team. Don't go that um, far, mate. Well, yeah, he was. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and, and that was the thing. So we had some good strength and depth coming through. Um, Crofty was obviously sp- the spinner in that series. And we had the likes of Nass and Thorpey. Athers, Stewie, we had a really good, um, how can you say, uh, depth. We had some depth, and as far as experience and depth in the, in the team. So, going into that series, I thought we had a very good, uh, very good opportunity, and we we should have had a good crack at it. Well, one bowler that is quicker than us, he played in that first test uh, actually. So, um, and and what, looking at the scorecard, Caddy, I actually surprised you were first change um, in, in this game. Yeah, so it was you and you and you and Dev. Yeah, it was me yeah, and yeah, Devin opened Dev. the bowling. So uh, and Dev were quicker than both of us. We can actually oh, honestly no, say that uh, we had yeah. we had him last week on Test of Time talking us through his nine for. Um, which was an unbelievable bowling performance in itself. But on this one, Australia, as usual, when they played against England, they won the toss, they batted at Edgbaston. The crowd, it was a buzzing atmosphere. I remember uh, going out there, the atmosphere was really good. The players were all up for it. As you said, we had a good side, we had some good players in it, confident. And we got off to a good start. I remember um, knocking over Elliot. Uh, bowled him actually, and it broke the uh, stump. Not saying it was yeah, because you had a top of pace. Off, didn't you? Yeah, Remember top that? of off. Yeah. It was an absolutely great delivery, swinging. Yeah, mm. it was. And then Dev. Uh, got Mark Taylor out, who was going through a bit of bad form, um, what I can remember at, at that time. Um, so we got off to an absolute flyer. And then I got Bluey out. And I think, is that the game, Caddy, where I got him out off a no-ball? You bowled a no-ball, and then you you bowled him with a no-ball. And if I remember rightly, the next ball, he was caught slip. Oh, yeah. So the the all-atmosphere lifted, didn't it, immediately around the ground. It, we were on a roll. Well, uh, it lifted after everybody <laughs> thought to yourself, Goffy. Can't you keep your foot behind the blooming line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can imagine Nass. I can imagine Nass and oh, Athers yeah. weren't too happy in slips. So you bowling, bowling Bluey up with off a no, off a no ball, but you made it up with the next delivery. So I'll give you credit for that. I think to be fair, uh, Caddy, it, it probably helped the atmosphere. Um, Getting a wicket off a no-ball, then getting it the next ball, getting him out exactly the next ball, probably lifts everyone as well, doesn't it? It just gives you that little bit of an edge. Yeah, no, it does. And, uh, you know, as as we said, they had a good side. They had a very good side. And to be fair, they had a good side f- 
probably for a long time for for ten fifteen years up to that test series. So, and you, we we always thought we were the underdogs coming into an Ashes series, but I think in that series we thought we 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 could make measure them um, man for man. But um, yeah, they had Elliot, a young player, coming in. So. Um, they, they had some seasoned players, but I think that first test did, did set the atmosphere for the rest of the series. Mm. I will just go through their team, uh, Caddy. Say what you want about some of the players uh, you played against. Mark Taylor was obviously the captain. He was going through an hard time, actually, form-wise in that series. There were question marks whether we were going to play. But Elliot came in, a fantastic player. He's at the top of his game at that stage. Greg Blewett, Mark War, Steve War, Bev, uh, yeah. Ian Ealy, Jason Gillespie, Shane Warne, Kaspovic and Glenn McGrath. That's not a bad team, is it? No, that's a very good side. And, um, you know, they, they're covering all, all departments there. Um, i tell you, the, the, one, the one person we did really work over well, I think, in that series was Bevan. We worked him out yeah. um, a lot. We found that uh, he, didn't, he, was, he succumbed to a, a bit of a short ball, but a, a surprise short ball. And throughout that series, he got found wanting. Fantastic one-day player. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... As far as Test was concerned, he didn't really have a great Test series, but you know the other the other players made up for it. You, you know the, the the War Brothers. You know you can't get better better quality than those two. Um, but no, it was it was, it was a great um, start of the series. But um, yeah, they're very good teams. As I said, I think on a par we had we had players like for like. Mm. I mean, let's just go through some of your uh, dismissals that game because if, if I mean, if you didn't know, Carry, I'm sure you did. You like me, you you kind of know uh, who you got out and when you got them out. But you took you bowled 11.5 overs, came on first change, um, five for 50. Now people will say, oh, well, he went 50 runs, but let's just remember the field we had here. I remember this uh, specifically. We all went for around four, five and over. We had such an attacking field, which was very rarity. It was a very Australian set field. We had four slips in, a gully, a short leg, and basically all you had to do was get bat on ball, because the ball was swinging around, and it went for runs, didn't it? So, can you remember much about your five for 50? Uh, Well, the the 50-odd came off when uh, Warney was batting. Oh, yeah, at the end. I remember they were... I think they were they were they were fifty fifty odd for they were eight for fifty four. <laughs> That's it, eight for fifty four. Warney came in and he slapped it round a little bit, and um, he put on a bit of a partnership. But he just stepped back. We kept we kept bowling the the, the same lengths, the same line lengths, quite attacking, but you know not not searching. But he just kept stepping back and kept carving it through backward point and. Uh, he just kept putting bat onto it and hoped that uh, it was going through a gap. But we did have an attacking field. I remember that. Oh, yeah, it was really attacking. And Warney actually counted well. And, and that's what you, uh, you, you you want to do. You want to change that momentum. Like I said, four slips, a gully, short leg. We had attacking field. He came in and chanced his arm. And it came off, didn't it? But the big wickets for you uh, that day was Steve War, Such a good player against us, Kelly. We had some battles against him over the years, didn't we? But to get him out early in the series, first innings, you got him out for 12. Caught Stewie, um, a huge, huge wicket. Yeah, we had him, and then the next, very next ball... <laughs> you got Ely. I got Ely to the, to the same delivery, in which you know, most players would leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he decided to push at it, and uh, went straight through to Stewie as well. So, you know, and then you can imagine what the atmosphere was like then. 
Mm, I, so exactly. I then you knocked over Gillespie pretty early after that with an LBW. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Warren uh, partnership with uh, Kaspovic was a pretty good partnership. They put on uh, 56, actually. Uh, but then you cleaned uh, cleaned them up. Uh, you cleaned up uh, Shane Warren. Caught Malcolm. Where was that? Was that on the hook or mid-off? Uh, that was deep third man. So uh, we, Top we, edge. We, no, don't, you know, I can, I can still remember it now. You know, the ball goes up. You got and it's to Dev. It, and you're absolutely <laughs> praying. <laughs> I was praying, and the, and, the, and, and the shock and horror of the fact that he actually caught it, um, I can still remember now. But, um, you know, as you know, Devon couldn't probably see three feet past his nose with, the, with his eyes. So, um, But he did well to catch that one. But, no, you know, was it 150? I think 150 all out they were. So uh, 118, yeah. Caddy. You're giving well, them extra runs, mate. 118 all out. 18 was, I thought it was 150. No, oh, there no, were 8 well, for 54. Giving too many then. Yeah, we give them, um, we give them, I say, shame one. Counted well, 118 all out. You're five for 50. Was that your first five? Was this your first test against Australia, or had you played against them before? No, I played 93. My test debut was 93. My first test was. Oh, that was um, before me, yeah. Yeah, my first, my first test wicket was um, Border, Alan Border. Alan Border. Not a bad first wicket, though, Cat. No, caught and bowled Caddick, and that was the only test wicket I took in that series. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, not, yeah. Anyway, Caddy, let's just take a quick break and we'll look back on the rest of the Test match after this short break. Test of Time! With Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to Darren Goff's Cricket Week and you're listening to TalkSport 2 and it's Test of Time with a good friend of mine. It's Andy Caddick and we've been looking back on the 1997 Test Series versus Australia and we've just dismissed Australia for 118 thanks to Andy Carrick mainly who finished with 5 for 50 uh, which um, was a pretty impressive performance uh, I nipped in with 3 the top 3 by the way just to let you know and um, let's carry on with the rest of the test match because this was where it really got interesting because with me Andy Carrick obviously we went out to bat we bowled them out for 118. I remember in the dressing room, we're all jumping around, all excited, and we went out to bat, and guess what happened? We lost yeah. three quick wickets. Yeah, we were 50-odd for three, weren't we? Something like that. Something. Yeah, something. we were f- three for 50. Exactly, mate. You've got a good memory, Carrie. Well, you know what it's like when you when you sit there and you think of tests. There are certain test matches you do remember, and that was definitely... Like, that was the first test match, so I remember that series, and then the last test at the Oval, which we won, so... It was always those two test matches that uh, you remember. Yeah, and, and and unfortunately, others, whenever he went out about either against Kirtley Ambrose or Glenn McGrath, I didn't think he was going to last that long. He was a top he player. Had a very good average against those two. <laughs> he didn't, did he? Well, uh, McGrath knocked him over, caught behind, obviously, Ely. Butch uh, went uh, to Kaspovic, and Gillespie um, got Stewie out. But Gillespie limped off, where I can remember. He went in the hamstring, didn't he, um, in his 10th over or something. But then... The two guys took over. The best innings I've ever seen Nasser the same play. 207 um, he got. And Graham Thorpe with a magnificent Mess, 130. Yeah. Wonderful partnership. And to be fair, that, that just showed how, how, much, uh, how flat that wicket had to actually turn the following day. So uh, we did well the first day and it stopped swinging for some reason. We, we just got that ball to swing a little bit that first day. And it just uh, completely changed the next day. And um, yeah, the, the two boys batted beautifully. I tell you what, though, it, it was flat, and and those two, I, I remember, we were we were laughing, weren't we, in the dressing room? Just we couldn't believe some of the shots because we were used to Glenn McGrath knocking us over. Let's be honest about it; he was such a good bowler. We were used to Warney 
knocking us over. And those two really toiled uh, that day from what I can remember. And we thought, I hope it's like this the rest of the series. And even Mark Elam nipped in with some fantastic runs. He, he ended up unbeaten on 53. Um, Ely was obviously our fourth uh, seamer at that time. Not many people will probably remember uh, Mark Elam uh, as a cricketer, but he was very useful. And at that, in, during that spell in the 90s, we were picking that type of cricketer, weren't we? Yeah, we were. We were always looking for a good all-rounder. Mm. Um, probably looking for two, three good all-rounders in the side, which uh, Healy was probably the top, you know, top of the bunch. Um, well, we had we had Arani, Craig White, Elam, yeah. uh, Corky, uh, to a certain extent as well. Although he was more of a bowler, but he could bat as well. We, we were always looking, weren't we, for that magic yeah. all-rounder? Yeah, we were. And I think I think um, the good thing about Eels was um, he he just bowled wicket to wicket. He bowled so tight. He was he was a bit like a. Um, I'm just trying to think of the uh, the Aussie bowler from all their yesteryears ago. Um, I thought you were going to say somebody like Gavin Larson, a no. Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. No, Terry Alderman. Was oh, Terry Alderman, yes, spot on, yeah. I mean, I, he just I, came in, he didn't, he didn't have a lot of pace, but he just came in and put the ball on the spot and let the ball do the work, got a bit of swing. And, you know, he's always somebody you could throw, you know, and I know Athers used to throw on the ball on the odd occasion, just say, look, just try and do something, you know. Give us guys a bit of a rest, and the things weren't happening. And um, and that series, I think he, he did make things happen, and that was the key to it: just the right time, right person, and the right time. Mm. I'll tell you what, Kenny, I don't want to break you out, but the, in this innings, you said it was the flattest it had been on that uh, second day, uh, first oh. day, second day. But we both uh, we both got a duck, mate. Just to let I you know, know. We did. <laughs> I, re- I remember mine. Mine was a shocking shot. I can't I... remember mine. Well, you was. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you how you were out? Yeah, go and tell me. LBW bowled Bevan <laughs> for oh, a thanks. duck in thanks. seven balls. Least, I, I remember mine. Mine was a shocking shot. I tried yeah, to hit it for six. I'm, I'm glad I didn't remember that one. <laughs> anyway, Caddy, we got 478 for nine, and we actually declared. We didn't want to send Devon in. We declared on Australia, which is a rare thing to do. Um, so we were nine down. Didn't want to send Devon in. We wanted to save him. Uh, dismissed them for four. Um, we were uh, 478, a huge, huge lead, and then it went into the second innings. And by did we know it was flat, wasn't it, Cad? As you said, that pitch got flat. There was no pace in it. There was no swing. The sun was out. Where I can remember, uh, it was it ridiculous. Was a hot day in Birmingham, I remember that it was a hot, hot week in Birmingham. Mm. And at one point, Cad, there were 327 for one. Yeah, because remember that that wicket got Taylor back into runs, didn't it? It did. Well, <laughs> it it, it uh, got rid of his drought, as they say. So yeah, and uh, I think Blewett got a big score as well. So well, everybody got a big score. Let's be honest in that top three. Elliot got sixty six. He got um, and and Crofty, listen, had a little golden spell. Um, he's he's the one. We he had to bowl a lot of overs that innings. He bowled forty three overs, by the way, uh, Crofty. And I thought he did a terrific job that day. He didn't get the credit uh, he deserved because that was flat. Taylor got back into form, as you said, under. 129. Greg blew it a fine 100. He got 125. But Steve Waugh, I remember getting him and I thought that was a massive wicket, Cad, in that second innings. Um, I was running in from the pavilion end. It was just starting to reverse on the surface and I remember uh, getting Steve Waugh, um, Bevan and Mark Waugh pretty quickly and I think uh, that was the turning point because at one point I thought we weren't going to get them out. No, I remember that. I remember you knocked three out very quickly, mm. uh, and there was the main, it was the main uh, engine room, as they say, of of the Aussies. So, um, and that's what turned turned the match. You actually did something decent for a change. You actually knocked Nick some over 
quite quickly when you normally you're just mucking about. So, um, which is good. Um, but anyway, no, no, that was a great little spell from you. Um, but then you were good at that, weren't you? When you when you when you just sniffed a bit of reverse, um, you're always there. And that's Rafa's head saying, "Just give me the ball. I have an opportunity to do something mm. here, especially especially on that sort of wicket. You needed something to do." It was the wicket was dry, the atmosphere and the and the and the conditions were dry. It was never going to swing. Um, we 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 used the best of the ball and the ability of the ball and the conditions on the first day. So we needed something different. So credit to you, my friend. Uh, a quick, uh, quick little three for I think it was. And it that was, and that, and that that knocked, that knocked him over. And then Ely cleaned up the tail. Um, yeah. I remember that the ball started swinging all of a sudden again, and uh, he cleaned up the tail. But I was I was going to ask you actually your mentality, Caddy. Do you know when you're in the field, you took five for the, the first innings, ball absolutely beautiful, swinging ball. Second inning, suddenly not swinging. Uh, the pitch is flat. There's no pace in it. Um, and you're in that field all that time. And you want to be in the action, don't you? And you ball all those overs. You don't take a wicket. It's happened to me plenty of times, by the way. But what's your mentality when that's happening? What are you going through? What, what are you going through as a, a, as a fast bowler? Well, all you're trying to do, because I remember you know, there's numbers of times when you end up on a flat wicket somewhere in the world. And even at Taunton, you end up flat wicket at Taunton. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just <laughs> a matter of, look, just sticking to the basics. Um and at that stage, funny enough, uh, it wasn't until after that sort of series of the next three, four years, I learned to bowl an off-cutter. And that changed my game plans, What's, uh, you know, because on any surface, the ball would grip and do a little bit. And um, whether it's flat or low or slow or dry, that off-cutter helped me uh, to the next level to actually start using the conditions and actually starting to think about doing stuff, you know, trying to work players out, as we were trying to do all the time. Mm. But you've got to have the ammunition in the, in, the, in the armory to actually do that. So that, at that stage, was just a basic step to try and keep it dry, try and make something happen, you know, give the other opportunity. Because the last thing we wanted to do was actually start attacking again. Because, you know, when you attack on flat wicks like this, the game can easily start running away from you because players are playing shots. So it was a matter of, for me, it was always just, Especially if you were attacking at the other end, you know. I remember a number of times when me and you were bowling, and then I'd just sit there and think, right, well, he's taking weeks. All I need to do is keep it tight at one end so that he keeps pressure on the other. And well, that's 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 how we worked. Well, I worked the opposite way with you because when when you got on the roll, I knew I wasn't going to get back on. Yeah. And it happened plenty of times. It happened against West Indies. It happened against Zimbabwe. Time and time again, where I thought, I want to get back on here and clean up the tail. And I never got back on, because Caddy just had that golden spell where he'd end up knocking six or seven over, and I'd never get another bowl. And yeah, I used to go off thinking... You, you, you'd, you'd keep on knocking the top order over, so it made it easier for me to blow. <laughs> anyway, on, on, the, on this game, Cad, by the way, it was flat. There were 327 for one, but they lost their last nine wickets for 154. And um, if it was for like I said, those quick spells of uh, knocking um, wickets over for myself and, uh, and Ely, they ended up getting 477 all out, and we only needed, I think, it were just under 120 um, uh, to win the game, and we actually, uh, we actually knocked them off uh, pretty easy, didn't we? In, in, in yeah, I think uh, we just won over by, 20. We win by nine wickets. Yeah, we won by nine wickets, and um, uh, it was down to uh, Atherton. Uh, not out. He got past the new ball, by the way. Um, Fifty-seven, not out. And Stewie, I remember Stewie playing a few shots actually um, in in that second innings, and uh, we absolutely whipped him by nine wickets. And what a celebration we had in Edgbaston, didn't we? Oh yes. You have to celebrate as a team, don't you? And we did do that night. And we probably no, got we carried didn't. away, if we're going to be honest, because think, the next it, we went to living rooms. I think it was the place was to there. Go you in, go in Edgbaston. I think uh, in Birmingham. I think that was the place to go. Because we were staying at the Swallow Hotel, and I always remember 
walking down Hadley Road, just down off you went down there. And there. Now we had a great night. And of course, those sorts of nights were great because a lot of the supporters that were still there, especially because I think we, we cleaned up on day four, didn't we? Because we didn't go into the fifth day. Yeah. So you had a lot more punters hanging around for the sake of hanging around. Um, they weren't going home because most of them were booked in anyway into hotels around the area. So, yeah, I remember we had a, we had a pretty good night. And I think that's the key to these games. And it, it seems to be quashed a little bit these days. But when you have success and great nights, you've got to celebrate them. Mm. Anyway, it was a fantastic t- test match and a brilliant performance from you in that first uh, test to, um, to win, for England to win by nine wickets. It didn't go that way the rest of the series. Australia dominated in the middle. We drew the second one at Lords. We lost um, at Old Trafford. We lost at least. In fact, we got absolutely... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Hammered at Leeds. Um, we lost at Nottingham, uh, but as usual, it was a six-test series, that one, actually, Kelly. I don't know if you can yeah, remember. Was, yeah. I was injured by the Oval. I think I missed the Oval, and um, we won that one by 19 runs. As usual, we always won the last one. Yeah, but then, as usual, the Aussies always come back and say, oh, yeah, you may have won that one, but, uh, but we'd already won the Ashes. So it didn't matter, but I can guarantee you <laughs> the Aussies would have hated us beating them in the last test. And let's just go back to us, us playing, obviously, together as an opening pair. Like I said, we had some great times, some great series wins, uh, whether it be, again, I'm trying to think of some of them in Pakistan, in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, was... Pakistan, that was, the, that was the key. That was the start of the, of the um, Nasser Hussain and uh, Fletcher era when... I think that was the key for us as, a, as an England team when we started learning how each individual player coped mm. under pressure and we, we knew what players were going to do under pressure. 
Um, and that's where we really, I think, we really took the game forward. And to come away in Sri Lanka winning a Test Series there and Pakistan, well, I think it was about 40 or 50 years prior to that, or 60 years prior to that. So it was a great, for us, it was a great, um, great, uh, great achievement. Mm. And finally, Caddy, not many people will know this, but our, pre, uh, our pre-match ritual, um, are we brave enough to admit it, what we used to do? It wasn't go and have a game of golf. It wasn't go play snooker. Go on, tell the world. Well, we used to train in the mornings, didn't we, on the Wednesday yeah. morning prior to a test match, and then you'd be, you'd, you'd turn up on the Tuesday, you'd have lunch, you'd train all Tuesday, and then the Wednesday morning you'd go and train in the mornings, and then the afternoons you'd sit there going, well, what are we going to do? You'd go maybe walk into the shops, wherever you were, Edgbaston, London and Lords or wherever. But then we always used to say, look, it's getting a bit boring why don't we go see a movie? So that's what we used to do, wasn't it? Go to the pictures. <laughs> I used to pay as usual. Uh, that would be the first time for that, wouldn't it? <laughs> a bit of natural grandes and popcorn and a Diet Coke. <laughs> well, it was full fat Coke for you. It was Diet for me. Yeah, well, we, we know why. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, Andy. Um, it's been great talking to you. Looking back on the 1997 Ashes series, a great performance from yourself in that first test. We did lose the six-match series 3-2, but thanks for your time, Andy, and catch up real, real soon. Love to, Goffy. Speak soon. OK, and coming up next on the Darren Goff Cricket Week, we will we'll be joined by England batsman Johnny Bairstow to look back on the ODI series between England and New Zealand. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sports 2. That's more like it. Up and over. And juice the drive. He got away with it, but not by much. Oh, imperious, really. He's in really good form, Johnny Bearstow. 40 for none. Those kids are going to have to duck out the way because that is a maximum. And some beer spillage in the crowd. Up and over, extra cover. Very first delivery, attacking option from Bearstow. Oh, he's gone again, and he's standing there admiring it. They're all interested in the crowd down there. Back-to-back centuries for Johnny Bairstow. He's been absolutely terrific once again. Fantastic. Well, just uh, a couple of the highlights from Johnny Bairstow's wonderful innings in that fifth and final ODI between England and New Zealand. Uh, we couldn't get all nine fours and six sixes, but that'll have to do you. Uh, I'm pleased to say Johnny joins us from a, a wet and windy Hamilton ahead of the first warm-up game, I guess, before the Test Series. And Johnny, uh, it's not often uh, England players can look back on uh, series wins down under in Australia and New Zealand, uh, but that's exactly what the one-day side has done. Um, and it must have been very enjoyable, especially ending it as the series' highest score and back-to-back centuries as well. Brilliant stuff. Thanks ever so much. Yeah, it's it's obviously been something that uh, just shows how far this one day uh, side and squad has come. To be honest with you, it's it's been a bit of a journey over the last eighteen months, two years, and um, and yeah, I think that these last couple of series is especially. Um, I think it's five or six that we've won now on the bounce. Just goes to show how how much we're improving as a side, how much we're really pushing each other 
uh, within the squad to, to put in these match-winning performances um, when it when it comes down to it. I'll tell you what, Johnny, one thing uh, that impressed me um, was all the news leading up to this last one was headlines from yourself, um, pressure game, this is what we live for, this is what a good test for the World Cup, it's like a knockout situation. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, a bit of pressure here now. And uh, you came out and played just the freest innings I've seen you play uh, in an England shirt. Because some of the shots you played there, Johnny, were just, well, things you dream of. Um, 100, 100 off um, just 50, um, uh, 58 balls. You went from 50 to 100 in 20 balls. I've seen you, well, I've not seen you live, but you played a similar innings for Yorkshire. I don't know if it was last year, Johnny, or a year before, where you just smashed 100 in, in, in can you remember the game? Yeah, it was um, at, uh, at Headingley actually. That's it. 170. That's uh, the one. Yeah, I, th- I think it probably, I think it probably was the most fluent uh, in, a, in a one day, one day shirt I've been. To be honest with you, uh, Daz, it's it's something that um, you don't na- you don't go out and think, oh, today I'm going to go and try and score at uh, this rate, that rate, or, or anything. You know what it's like when when the ball, I'm sure, felt felt right in your hand many many times and. and when, when you're playing and batting, sometimes it's your day and you, you miss the field instead of hitting them and um, you clobber a few over the over the boundary and um, and yeah, you just keep going. It wasn't it wasn't something that, as I say, at the start of the day, I thought, right, well, this is the deciding the series. Let's go out and try and do something different to to what you had been doing. Well, you just seen it, obviously. Sometimes uh, when you bat, and this is me from a tail enders point of view, not an, an opening batsman, well, somebody who can bat anywhere in that top six. I mean. Is it one of those situations where you're batting and you're thinking, hang on a minute, I'm seeing this pretty well here. I'm just going to play some shots. And it just carries on the momentum and the it, it just takes you takes you with it. Uh, I think it's just something that as, if you're playing on your instinct uh, and you're playing with that freedom, the bowlers up front did such a, a brilliant job to, to get their nine shot for six. And then obviously they, they played well to go up to 230. Um, but the way that the way that in which they set the tone really early on kind of gives you that confidence to go out and play, um, and that uh, and you know if we get off to a, a decent start, I think it's twice in the last uh, two ODIs. All right, we lost the fourth one, but um, we scored two hundred, we scored two hundred twenty, two hundred thirty in around about thirty overs. So that that kind of gives you a, a, a such a good kind of uh, confidence um, with the way that you're going about your batting, with the way that we've seen this team go. And score 300, 350, 370, 380, 400 before. There's no reason why we can't keep pushing those boundaries. And because eventually, hopefully, in one of the knockout stages of, like you mentioned earlier, the World Cup, we're able to then call upon those experiences and go make an even bigger one in that when it really, really matters. Do you boys actually always try and replicate 20 over cricket in the 50 over game? I think that's what I've found about uh, this England side in the top performances against Australia, where you absolutely thrashed them. And then this one, which was a closer series, two similar sides um, on, on the way to play. But you're almost trying to take 20 over cricket to 50 over. Would that be fair? Yeah, but in in the same same time with that, I think it's it's also important that you've got people that are able to, to bat through for a longer period of time as well. You can't just go out um, and go from ball one. I think that... Uh, one of the the keys to it has been able to to bat for a period of time, especially through the middle. Root has done it now for a while, hasn't mm. he? He's been he's been the guy that's batted through, which has enabled then people to go out and 
um, express themselves. That's not to say that he's not scoring at a runner ball or higher than a runner ball. That's to say that he's, he's utilising the skills and the skill set that he's got, um, which is a, an extremely, extremely good one, um, to the to the best advantage to be able to utilise that within within this team. And um, and yeah, if it's a case of then that's my role. Uh, if if for whatever reason Rudy gets out and I'm still in there, then then you've got to take on the chin and adapt to that. And I think that that's that's one of the big advantages that we've got as a side is the guys who have been adapting to conditions, whether that be with the ball. Um, or assessing the situation up the top with the bat, relaying and communicating with the rest of the team that are in the dressing room and going from from that base. Johnny, how much of this side's um, mindset is geared towards the World Cup in 2019, if at all? Yes, obviously it's naturally something that has been spoken about over a period of time. It's not something that has has only just started being uh, being spoken about. People were talking about it during the Champions Trophy last year, um, and uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think it's something that, as a group of players, we're well aware of, and you want to be in the mix to be playing in a home World Cup. That's something that every player that plays county cricket, plays for England, wants to be involved in, and. And this group of players is is very much focused on, first of all, playing well leading into it, but putting the putting the good performances in, especially in in that World Cup. And I thought it was a great performance, as as Goffey mentioned, in a in a game that people were talking about as um, a replica, a makeup for a potential uh, World Cup quarter final group group game leading on to the semis and finals. It was it was a great template for that, and the way that the guys came out and execute the skills and ruthless with it, um, I think is a good indicator of where we are as a team. I, I agree with you. I mean, I look at England team now and I say, well, if, if this team was to go into the World Cup, I mean, there'd be no arguments. You couldn't actually say, oh, well, he should be playing and he should be playing and this should be happening. Because normally we're scratching around thinking, oh, we've got a bit of a worry up at top or middle order, not quite so sure. The bowlers, have we, have we really got the right bowling mix? You look at the England team now, and I said this during the Australia series, you look at this England side now, it's done. Basically, as long as someone don't form, just disappear. You've you've got your side already for the World Cup in 2019. But also, you're also missing, like, Liam Plunkett's out injured at the moment. So, He'd so be in the squad, though, wouldn't he? He'd be, last... in, he'd be in the squad, yeah, though, Johnny. Uh, the, yeah? yeah, his form over the last two years has been has Brilliant. been so good. So you just want him that, to, through the middle overs especially, the way that he's been able to control that that rate and and take wickets when when they've been needed, I think, in some ways, it's gone a bit under the radar because, um, and then obviously with his batting coming in at nine and ten and being able to hit those uh, sixes off two and three balls right at the death is something that not many people can do. Spot on. No, no, I agree with you on the Plunkett situation. I mean, I, I, I said it in Australia and New Zealand, but obviously he's not playing this one because of no, uh, no, the of injury situation. But the 14 or 15 actually picks itself. The only possible one, and you'll know him, uh, Johnny, is, is Sam Curran. It's Tom's brother, who's... Is, England are having a poor Lions series, let's be honest about it, uh, so far. But Sam Curran, has, uh, he's, put his, he's put his hand up, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, and it's obviously going to be a big, a big summer. People have spoken about Sam for uh, for a little bit of time now, and he's played at Surrey. Um, and it's as you know, growing up as a young lad, there's there's going to be a lot of stresses and strains on on his body as he's growing still as well. Um, from a from a bowling point of view, uh, from a mental side of things, from going away this winter, 
with the Lions, with the pressures and um, pressures that that comes with, and then obviously being included in in an England squad as well. Um, there'll be a few more eyes eyes on him, and um, I'm sure that he'll go out and respond very very well because, as, as you say, every uh, everything that's been put in front of him so far, um, he's he's come up trumps with. But as you also alluded to, the squad at the moment is very strong. So where mm. where do you where do you look at fitting uh, fitting someone else in? There's going to be um, potentially some very disappointed guys come um, come next year because at the end of the day, only 11 can go on the field. Only um, 14, 15, as you said, can can fit into the squad. So it's great to have the competition four places and that's what's pushing us further because even you look at the top of the order you rewind it um only six months seven months i was i was sat on the i was sat on the sideline waiting for an opportunity if someone was injured if someone was uh poorly whatever it may be then then you're always looking to try and take that opportunity and um it'll be exactly the same for for if anyone is injured if anyone um, does go out of form, then that's that's part and parcel of professional sport, and that's why we play it. Johnny, you've obviously a, a big player within the Test team as well. We've got two Tests coming back coming up in New Zealand shortly. But uh, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, uh, your Yorkshire teammate, England teammate, Adil Rashid, and also Alex Hales putting their case forward just for white ball cricket is is that something that you could ever see yourself uh, doing? Hopefully not for a while. Uh, yeah, hopefully not for a while. I think I'll get a, uh, a kick in the backside from um, from my mother and a few other people uh, at Yorkshire. If I'll I did that, um, yeah, and you might be one of them giving me a nudge as well, Dad. Um, but uh, but no, I think it's something that is is a very personal personal thing. You can't uh, you, you don't know what's going through um, through their their individual their individual mindsets. You don't know what their their thoughts are on. Um, how they're wanting to apply uh, their cricketing skills around the world. Um, now, it's obviously a, a big decision, but it's something that all the boys are very respectful of because you can't force someone into to playing something that their the heart's not in, and that's not what you want to do, is it? Because if you've got a couple of guys out on the field that don't necessarily want to be there, then that can be quite harmful for um, harmful for uh, for the side moving forward. And look, it's a very brave decision, and you've got to. Uh, respect their decisions, and and you wish them all, all the best in in making those decisions. So, um, so yeah, it's something that is a very individual thing. But players being rested is important as well, uh, would you say, Johnny? Because let's say your work right now, uh, keeping wicket, playing as an opening batsman, you're always on the go, hundred miles an hour. You had a short break, didn't you, from the T20 um, stuff? But it's glad to be back playing, uh, I presume. Yeah, it's great to be back playing, but as you, as you mentioned, that rest that rest is is key um, because there is a huge amount of cricket at, at this moment in time. I mean, you, you think about the timescales that um, some of the guys were away for, and um, you're looking at from the end of October, some of the guys didn't go home until um, this last weekend gone. So it's you're talking about four and a half months um, away from home, and then if other people have got um, other things going on, so some some went to Bangladesh, didn't they? So I don't, and then went to the Big Bash. So I think someone like Joss wasn't home from the start of the Big Bash until this weekend, just gone. Um, so yeah, there's there's all of the different things that come into it and w- workloads and like you mentioned, whether it be myself keeping wicket and batting or whether it be 
uh, someone like Wokesy that's that's bowling and batting and at seven or eight or or Mo, the, the stress and strains. It's not it's not just um, it's not just the playing the cricket. It's it's the the flying in between. You don't get a rest day because you're flying down to the next destination the next day. So you may set off at nine o'clock and then um, you're waiting in the airport for two hours. Then it's delayed. Then you get on the flight and then your bags don't arrive and et cetera, et cetera. It's another full day that's gone and then you're training the following day. So it's it's um, it's a culmination of things as well. And sometimes, yeah, it can get a bit on top of you because that's only natural. Sometimes you are going to miss your family. Yesterday was, was Mother's Day. So naturally that's something that mm. um, for some of the guys crops up because it's a, it's a big day. Uh, in the in the calendar year, so there are going to be tired bodies, and people are living in each other's pockets in hotel rooms, changing hotels. Some beds you sleep well in, some beds you don't. Sometimes the food's good, sometimes it's not. Um, and the the little the little bits that you miss um, do sometimes come to come to a head, and it's learning to deal with that. Um, so so yeah, it's it's amazing, and and we're very fortunate to do what we're doing. But that rest thing uh, that that you mentioned. Um, is definitely something that uh, it can be taken for granted in in some ways because you can guarantee that when we get back at the end of this test series there'll be um, people not understanding why England may pull us out of a couple of games at the start of the season um, leading into the, leading into the the county season as as we've been away for so long and just come off the back of two back to back test matches. Mm. Uh, Johnny, it's getting late in New Zealand, so uh, we'll pretty much wrap this up now. But before you go, last question. I'm sure you've heard about the uh, or seen on on Twitter the uh, some of the unsavoury scenes taking place in South Africa um, against Australia, and it <clears> seems <throat> to me that the pro- the problem of sledging has once again reared its head. Now, you know, there was plenty going on in Australia when England were out there, but from your opinion, does cricket have a sledging problem? Or is it just an Aussie issue that they need to deal with? I don't know. You're probably best asking Daz this. Um, he'll, uh, he'll be able to answer a bit more on uh, on sledging, I'm sure, being a fast bowler. Um, it's, I don't, it's something that's part and parcel of the game of cricket. I think that um, now with stub microphones being turned up, turned down, used, not used, etc., etc., I think it's it's something that there has to... Uh, be more of a consistent uh, ruling on it. So I think that there needs to be something that's either they're on all the time or they're off all the time. Uh, now, that's not to say that they turn Schnicko off. Um, so th- there's got to be consistency with it. And um, whether that be consistency with um, umpires when they go to uh, India and Bangladesh and places like this, because uh, naturally umpires are not able uh, to officiate their own nation. So you, you get uh, English umpires, for instance, to make an example, that go to India. And now, effectively, they're expected to know the 9, 10, 11, 12 different languages that the Indians are speaking, the slang words, swear words, anything that could be derogatory towards a batsman. The same in Bangladesh, um, which people will not understand and not necessarily pick up. But if someone says says it in English and it gets picked up, then it can be... Uh, different at the same time, so there's got to be a there's got to be a straight line as to what what is said and what is the ruling on it. Um, I think, um, but if you take it completely out the the game, then you've got two two teams full of people that have made a a career and have made strides to play professional sport that have gone through all the trials and tribulations of 
getting picked, making sure that they've been better than the guy next to them in the dressing room, uh, constantly put themselves forward, striving to be the best that they can be. And if, if all of a sudden that's taken away from um, the game and getting people up for games and getting people um, and getting the best performances out of people because their adrenaline's going and, and this, that and the other, then I don't think it'll do the game um, any good. Brilliant stuff. Johnny, really appreciate your time. Uh, go well, and we look forward to seeing you uh, behind the stumps again, even though Cheers. that catch to dismiss Tim Southey was the best catch of the winter, bar none. But uh, sleep well, <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have you on again soon. Cheers. Thanks ever so much. Well Cheers, Dave. Johnny. Good luck. That's uh, Johnny Bairstow, England opener, England number three in the one-day game, England batsman and wicketkeeper in the test side, and uh, you do a job in the T20 side as well. But uh, as you say, Goffey, and that was fascinating what he had to say. Uh, they do need a break at some point. And talking about a break, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Two big stories this week, Goffey. I tell you what, if you want to get the uh, the exclusives from the world of county cricket, there is one place to go, and it is the back page of the Times. Um, and I can just imagine the uh, the, the, the the fury when uh, some of the bigwigs picked up their copy and were sitting on the tube on the way to Lords to read an exclusive from Lizzie Ammon: five hundred k a year for every Test venue that misses out. And then ECB chairman faces uh, county rebellion over test ground payoffs. Uh, there's been a there's been a few uh, a few angry voices coming from the shires. Let's get uh, well, let's speak to Lizzie now. Joins us on the show. Appreciate your time, Lizzie, as always. Um, for those who aren't aware, and most people will be, give us a give us a little summary of the stories that you brought to us this week. Uh, well, it all started with uh, with news that Glamorgan. Have received uh, a million pounds or just over a million pounds for not bidding for test matches. So, in the recent allocations of international matches, uh, Glamorgan have not got any test matches, and that was because they agreed not to bid for any. There's been a return to the sort of traditional six venues. So, um, Glamorgan got a million pounds, which caused uh, some people, including me, to do a little bit of digging about whether anybody else was getting any compensation for not getting any test matches or not getting the matches they wanted. Um, and it turns out they are, or at least there was a plan for um, a plan for, they, uh, for them to get some, some money um, to basically keep them financially stable. I mean, in a sense, a sort of sensible plan to give them money in fallow years when they haven't got test matches. Uh, t- test match grounds do lose quite a lot of money in years they don't have big matches. Um, uh, so it turns out that they, uh, there was a plan at least to get uh, around half a million pounds, maybe more, in years they didn't have test matches. Um, the trouble was that that had not been discussed at board level. Um, there was no, no one on the board seemed to know anything about it, um, which then uh, led to some further questions being asked. And uh, one of the board members, Andy Nash, an independent director on the board, Andy Nash, resigning. On the, on the um, Andy Nash, I mean, wasn't he on the original committee that decided to have this new T20 uh, tournament? He had the opportunity then, didn't he, to to resign if he had any? Uh, he knew this was going to happen, surely. No, I, well, I, no, I don't think so. I don't think the, um, the 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 
just um, payments. There's a principle here, really. I think the original principle was that the money from the new T20, and this was how it was sold to counties, uh, would be split equally between the 18 counties and the MCC. So they're all getting £1.3 million a year. But the understanding was that that was going to be shared equally and there wasn't going to be any sort of... um, that the smaller counties who weren't going to be host venues weren't going to be disadvantaged and uh, by it. Uh, it now turns out that that's not quite the case. That the um, the eight, the larger grounds are getting more money. Not not Lords and the Oval though, interestingly. But um, uh, 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 and that the the new competition was going to be owned by the eighteen counties and sort of uh, equitably. It, it, there's been a bit of a shift from that, and it sort of transpired in discussions. Uh, I think. Uh, Andy Nash's biggest issue was the fact that there seems to be a lack of transparency and that the, the, the decisions have been made sort of in rooms behind closed doors and um, nobody seemed to know quite what was going on because n- no one had told anyone else. Um, and I think that that's raised some issues about quite how things are being done. So do, do you think, Lizzie, but they, they're actually just changing things as they go along? Is that, is, do you think that's what's going on here? Because it is a tournament that's not too far away. It, it all came about, but it's like anything. It's got teething problems. And I don't know where I stand on this because every county getting 1.3 million is, is, is decent. It's decent money, right? Um, a, 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 bit, a bit of an handshake, isn't it? And, and I know people are still going to be against this new tournament. But if you're going to ho- want to be the hosting grounds and you're one of the bigger grounds that can, that's got a ground that can hold uh, all these supporters, which they're hoping to get into this new tournament... Surely you should get a bit more. Well, yes. I mean, I think you should get money for um, for, for being for the for the cost it you incur for hosting, yeah. uh, and perhaps a little bit more than that. But actually, what we're talking about is substantially more than that, um, because they are getting a staging fee as well as their one point three million. Um, I think there's just a little bit of a worry that what the intention is. Um, from Lords by stealth is to come up with eight super counties and essentially relegate the other ten to sort of second-class status, really. Um, and I, I think they're just a bit worried that that that's, mm. that's the intention and it's being done sort of not very openly. Um, I mean, that may or may not be the case. I don't know, but it is certainly it doesn't look like things are being discussed very openly. Well, they don't, Liz. Liz. I don't want it to happen. I love the county game. I think it's strong. Um, I think we've got a, cr- a strong county uh, cricket uh, at the moment, the two divisions. Whether we can s- slightly change that minute, whether we have these regions or wherever it may be down the line. But let's be realistic. The way things are going, if nothing gets done by cricket boards around the world, they, they, we're not going to have 18 counties, are we? Let, let's be realistic about it. Ten years' time, we're not going to have 18 counties. So is it just... No, are we trying to just stop what's going to happen? No, I mean, I think that's why they voted for the new competition, recognising that something needs to be done and, and, and some new money needs to come in. And there is a great big broadcast deal, obviously, on the back of um, this new competition. Um, and so I think that's why most of the counties, barring a couple, actually voted in favour of this competition, recognising that it needs to happen. I think the problem really is that um, it, it is that they don't feel like they're sort of being included in decisions in the direction of travel and that actually um, they are sort of being left out of things. And that wasn't really the original way it was sold to them. It was that 
this is for the good of the game, but we'll keep everyone included and it's going to strengthen the entirety of the 18 counties. And it might be that that's not the case. Um, I suppose you could say it's pretty naive, though, isn't it? I mean, it was always a, a case that the ECB looked like they were, uh, you know, paying, not not paying the, the smaller counties off, but certainly how else are they going to get them to agree to do this without giving them some money? And then that money, there was going to be some payback from that. Well, I, I, I think it was probably was a little naive. I mean, the minute that everybody voted for eight new teams and all of the effort and money and everything is going into this new competition it was inevitable that that's where the focus was going to be and the focus is going to be on these eight new teams and the eight venues they are in and everyone else slightly ignored mm. on the other one on on the this test match thing what what i know i read your uh, piece Liz, on, on on it and it, to be fair when you haven't got a test match in, in a year i don't think it's a bad thing is it but the clubs are going to be getting um kind of subsidised, if that's the right word to use? No, it's not. Um, I, I mean, it's, it, it, Colin Graves, the chairman, has been very clear, and it's an admirable aim that we need to get down the debt. There is so much debt being carried mm. across the test match grounds because of the developments they've had to do and this and the other. I mean, it's huge, ridiculous amounts of money. Um, so um, it, it's good that it's giving them financial stability and, and allowing them to plan their finances across the next sort of seven years means they can they can you know make some decisions about what they pay down and et cetera et cetera so that's you know, that's admirable in itself uh, it does rather go against the principles of the constitution this is very boring but the constitutions of the ECB which is that the revenues are split equally amongst the 18 counties plus plus MCC and that's a sort of fundamental principle that's been in place for years and years and years and years and this signifies a bit of a shift from that which in itself isn't necessarily a problem. We don't like change, stuff. though, do we? We don't like well, changing cricket. We don't like it. it. We don't, but it's, I mean, it wouldn't be a problem, provided everybody had signed up to it, but it wasn't discussed anywhere other than sort of between, it seems, the chairman and these counties, and no one else knew about it, which, which isn't really the way to do business. No, it isn't. Lizzie, thank you. Look forward to more exclusives in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, And uh, more backtracking as well from the ECB at times. Um, Plenty more to come on the show. Me and Goffey are going to look at uh, a ridiculous series uh, taking place in South Africa. Even more shenanigans off-field and on uh, by uh, some of those uh, involved who should really know better, uh, but uh, not taking away from what's been a fascinating contest so far. Um, We're also going to be talking about uh, Freddie Flintoff uh, taking to the stage. Goffey, I want to know a lot more about that and we'll do very shortly. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Goffey, uh, we've been talking to Lizzie Ammon about uh, problems uh, within the county game. We've been speaking to Johnny Bairstow about uh, back-to-back hundreds and uh, the problem of sledging in the game. A brilliant test of time with you and Andy Caddick looking back at Edgbaston 97. We've uh, gone through the entire of the ODI series, but secretly, in the back of my mind, all I wanted to really talk to you about today and can do now is what you got up to the weekend and Freddie Flintoff, the actor. Please explain to me what is going on. Well, um, 
I didn't know how to take it when Fred texted me about 10 days ago <laughs> and said, listen, I'm uh, playing um, at Milton Keynes Theatre uh, with a show I'm doing uh, uh, called Fat Friends. Would I like to come? Now, first thing I thought, hang on a minute. Am I texting him because I'm his fat friend from Milton Keynes? Um, <laughs> so I said, yeah, listen, I'll come and support you, mate. It'd be great. Uh, I know he's not been doing it for a while because he's been busy with other stuff, hasn't he? And I think he's in and out in that sh- show. He's, 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 I think he's doing all the days in Manchester, but he's been in and out. He's like been um, um, in and out and, and when, 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 he, when he can do it. And I went to mm. watch him. And absolutely surprised. He was excellent. And really? before the show, he actually said to me, he said, it's a Yorkshire show, and I took my inspiration from you. He said, I just basically tried to be you, and which I thought, because I didn't know much about the show, so I thought, oh, that's No, I don't know much about Yeah. What, what's, what so, is the show about? Well, it's called Fat Friends, and, and basically yeah. it's about a slimming uh, club in Headingley. <laughs> It's about a slimming club in Edinburgh, a group of people who are trying to lose weight, and it's got a bit of comedy about it, obviously a story. A very, very, very funny show indeed. And um, obviously it's a musical. And Fred Obvi- asked- hey, hey, Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, obviously it's a musical? So, Freddie, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's Freddie's a musical. Singing. Fred sings one Dance? solo and a couple <laughs> of duets. Um, which uh, is brilliant. He, I, I promise you, mate, it's just hilarious. And he came on there. Uh, the, he wasn't supposed to be doing it, actually. Uh, the, the, on the, in the programme, he had whoever was supposed to be playing his part. Mm. Um, and when they said he was playing it, the crowd went nuts. They loved really? it. Really? Yeah, and he actually so surprised it came, over, came over on the tent Because usually when they announce that the understudies performing, you, you hear people who are a bit peeved, aren't they? Yeah, so, uh, um, but when they announced they for, for one night only Freddie Flintoff, they were at crackers. Uh, so uh, he, he enjoyed it and he said he had to do a bit of rehearsal before because he'd not done it for three weeks. Um, and then he came in for one show. He's now missing because he's got sport relief. He's hosting that, isn't he, this week? So he's, he can't do the shows this week, but then he's got nine shows in Manchester. Nine! Oh. Nine, but Mate, he's singing, nine. singing, That's... singing, dancing. He's dancing. I'll, I'll say the only thing that needs work is he's dancing. But other than that, he was, he was fine. Well, look, uh, my missus, she's an actress, and they used to do six shows a week for about nine months. So uh, no sympathy on that front. Nine. That's not that many. But you know, in the biz, if you can sing, dance, and act, you're known as a triple threat. Okay, so would you say Freddie is a triple threat yet, or just no, he two doubled. of those? He, he acted well. <laughs> he, he played the part really well. His singing was good. Uh, his dancing had a little bit of a dancing part in there. Just needs a little bit of work, if we're going to be honest. Uh, from the uh, the ridiculous, uh, well, to even more ridiculous, actually, uh, South Africa and Australia. I mean, uh, the act. If if there was just. If we could just talk about the action on the pitch, there'd be enough to fill a two-hour show every week. But uh, there's been quite a lot of nonsense. We kind of uh, spoke a little bit about David Warner and Quinton de Kock last week. Don't need to really rehash that. But uh, Kagiso Rabada, um, who's taken 11 wickets in the match. Um, I mean, first off, well, I mean, we, saw, we saw him last year in England, didn't we? And his discipline, or rather his ill-discipline, cost him. Yeah, I think he missed the old Trafford Test match. Um, and it's going to cost him again. Um, I, mean, I mean, obviously someone needs to sit down and, 
and tell him what's what. But uh, from what you've seen from afar as a bowler, you know, what? where do you stand on just how good he can be if he can actually get out onto the field? He's a good performer. Um, for someone so young, um, he's played quite a few games now. Um, when he when he's on song, he takes wickets. I think that's his fourth temp for already in his short test career, which is an amazing thing to have on your record. Um, at that highest level, to bowl the way he has. And this is without, he's the leader of the attack. Let's be fair uh, fair to him as which well. Is, which is saying something when you've got Philander. Yeah. More calls drop for this. That's what I'm even saying. Even though no it's his last series. And Del Stain is waiting to come back as well. Yeah, so he's the leader. He's the strike ball. You're looking to him uh, to knock over the top order. And he's done it. Uh, 11 wickets in the game. And Gidi, who came in as well, actually. A little bit of credit to him. He's bowled tightly, bowled well. He got five wickets in a match. That was a big call, that, leaving Morning Morkel out of this test match. I actually feel for Morning Morkel because he's just on the verge of getting 300 test wickets as well. Um, oh, no. But I can't see him getting back in. Um, you've got Ngidi there and um, and Rabada who have got to basically, they've bowled them to victory. So it's been fantastic. And De Villiers with a fantastic 100 in the first innings. Um, good to see him getting runs um, as, as well. But... I've not enjoyed this series, if, I, if, if I'm honest, so far. Two tests. It's been overly aggressive. I don't think cricket needs this uh, sort of um, enemy. I mean, the two teams that obviously dislike each other a lot. Australia yeah, and South Africa. Uh, there's they plenty play of previous, each, isn't there? Yeah. I don't, I don't um, get sh- it whatsoever. Shall we just quickly hear from uh, what uh, former England uh, player and coach David Lloyd had to say about uh, you know, what needs to be done about the poor player behaviour? Give them a red card, get them off the field immediately and they don't play the next three matches. It's the only way. I've never, ever seen behaviour on and off the field as it is now. So there you go. Straight to the point. It's, it's a bit like what we hear on TalkSport, isn't it? When uh, someone acts up at the weekend and you get people calling in saying, you know, if, if you get caught diving, ban it for six games and it'll stop. Well, we, we, we did on Drive um, last week, um, but uh, we had a poll. Should cricket have uh, yellow and red cards? And absolutely huge. I think it was 80% said yes. And I agree totally. Um, we've got to get on top of this now, where the aggression, you only have to look at the um, uh, some of the footage of Rabada uh, going up to David, um, sorry, up to Smithy, the captain um, of, of Australia. And it's, it's not right, mate. It's not right. I mean, it's too aggressive. You don't need that in cricket. It's not a rugby match. And we need yellows and reds. And now, if he's going to go on and think he's hard as nails while he's got a ball in his hands... Give him a yellow. Does it again? Send him off. I agree totally with David Lloyd. It's ridiculous. You're listening to Down Goss Cricket Week, uh, as you are every Monday night on TalkSport 2 from 8 until 10. You can listen via DAB online and via the TalkSport app. And we're available online as a podcast or on iTunes. So please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. You're listening to Talk Sport 2 and this is Darren Goff's Cricket Week. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. It's 
So, Goffy, Glamorgan, the county that we are profiling, previewing this week. Um, we're going to get through all of them before the start of the county season. And uh, I'm pleased to say that uh, Matt Maynard joins us. So he's returned to the county as, uh, as a batting coach, and he's, uh, he's on the phone now to look ahead to the season. Matt, uh, thanks for joining us. Hi, Matt. No worries at all. Morning, morning. So uh, back at well, give us a give because of course uh, recent times at, at Somerset. Give us a, a little bit of an idea of uh, of the changes um, in terms of the position and to, and uh, how you've found your way back at a club or a county that you know so well. I just uh, kind of came uh, at the back end of last season, uh, mid September, played a charity cricket match, and uh, got talking to a couple of Glamorgan uh, uh, players. Um, and, and coaches, and they said they're, they're potentially looking for a, a batting coach this winter. I was obviously still at, still at Somerset, but felt uh, with the new chief exec there might be some movement there, um, and that that happened. So we we obviously um, uh, I finished at Somerset. Um, really enjoyed my time, my three years down there, and thought we'd make good progress, but obviously not not to be. So they've had a, a slight slight change in their structure. And um, yeah, and then I sat down with Hugh Morris and uh, and got in the batting consultancy role at Glamorgan, which is which is fantastic. So just great to be home and uh, having home life again. And uh, yeah, really enjoying it to be honest. I tell you what, Matt. Um, let's say you've been a coach now for a, a, a while. You've done a few jobs um, in South Africa and did them really well. By the way, winning trophies. Um, yeah. You've been at Somerset, came close on a couple of occasions to win the county championship. Now, going back to doing specialist coaching, batting coach, which do you think you're going to prefer? The more relaxed batting coach role or the more intense senior head coach role? At, at the minute, the batting role is absolutely spot on, mate. Um, you know, it, it does. You're, you're always under pressure as a head coach, director of cricket, um, for results, performances. And just every now and then, it is nice. So at this time of uh, my coaching, Career, this is this is just absolutely ideal. So you know, as I said, I've got a consultancy job there, and it's ideal just trying to work, you know, with Crofty and uh, and the other coaches, Steve Watkin, Dave Harrison, and Adrian Shaw, uh, just try and get the best out of the lads. Well, there is a T20 competition coming in um, a couple of years, Matt. I can see you being um, one of the coaches down there in Cardiff. <laughs> Be interesting to see, won't it? I think uh, it, it's great for the club that they've won that franchise, mm. and uh, it'll just be—it'll be really interesting to see how it all goes and how. how, how I think uh, the, one of the most important things is how the uh, the teams are named for that particular competition. Obviously, there's there's 18 counties becoming eight uh, franchises uh, in a way, and um, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting. I think to see how. How the, those sides are named and um, and what what locality is placed on that. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, Matt uh, Glamorgan, of course, uh, reached the semi-finals of T Twenty Finals Day last year. So um, we had uh, Robert Croft on actually about six weeks ago, and he was saying he was very hopeful that Colin Ingram, South African, was uh, going to rejoin for the season. That's happened. And, of course, Sean Marsh, who wasn't picked up in the IPL, which is a bit of a surprise, but it means that he's going to be around as well. So uh, some good news to boy the county at, uh, at this early stage of planning. Yeah, brilliant overseas signing, Sean Marsh. Um, and obviously Collins being you know, one of the top white ball players uh, across, the, across the globe, to be honest. You know, helped Adelaide strikers um, 
uh, win the big bash this winter. Really experienced. Um, and I think the white ball cricket is certainly some something that Glamorgan have been very strong at in recent years. And uh, th- those are the kind of areas where the club will look to put out the strongest side and look to win the competitions and, and look really at developing uh, the young bats. And there's a huge... Uh, amount of young, talented batsmen at Glamorgan at, at, at this stage and allied to someone like Sean Marsh for the Red Bull cricket, the championship cricket, I think it could be really exciting. But you know, I think with young players, it, the key is not to expect too much from them, um, but just give them the support. Um, uh, and obviously the technical, we, we've done a little bit of work technically with a couple of the batsmen there. And, um, you know, they're, they're looking really good in, in pre-season and we've, we've got a tour coming up to Dubai which will be great we've got a couple of matches out there a couple of white ball matches and a a two-day match as well so it'll be good to get some outdoor cricket in Um, it's obviously been pretty awful the weather recently to try and get outdoors Um, so that'll be a really good start for us I think I tripped to Dubai is that the reason you went back there (laughs) (laughs) they must have got a few quid Morgan. it has it has its bonuses mate it has its bonuses Look, I think it's something that they've, they've had the marquee up in the past in the, uh, uh, in the nets at, uh, at the back of the ground. And uh, pretty useful, I think, that those marquees. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing like getting out and having competitive fixtures abroad. And, um, you know, it's something obviously Hugh Morris, as uh, Chief Exec and Director of Cricket, was keen for the lads to do this year. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, be nice to get out there and be part of that. How's the rest Matt. of the side uh, shaping up, Matt? I mean, uh, like I say, you're, what were you seventh last year, Division Two? Uh, you, like I said, your coaching role at Somerset, you've been going for the championship the last few years, so it's going to be slightly different. But how's how's it shaping up there? It it reminds me a little bit of um, probably Glamorgan side when I, I first came into it. You know, when Hugh Morris, Adrian Dale, Steve James, Tony Cotty, myself were, were kind of coming through the and breaking into the first team, but not a huge amount of experience. And then collectively as a group, we got to play and uh, and that side got stronger and stronger through the early 90s, uh, through to the late 90s and the early 2000s. And that this batting group, or the, the amount of, you know, seven seven young lads playing under 23 years of age, all, all potentially playing in the first team. Uh, alongside that, a really exciting young uh, seam bowler in Lucas Carey, some good young spinners in uh, Andrew Salter, K- uh, Kieran Bull, and Owen Morgan. So there's, there's there's talent there, but it's just how quickly we can nurture that to try and get as consistent as possible. That's one thing potentially you don't get with the younger younger players uh, is the consistency that you do get from senior players. But if the guys are given the opportunity, and um, you know, I'm not saying that the, the side this year uh, is not going to be ambitious, the four-day team. But I think it's also important in the longer-term development that the guys get an opportunity rather than just playing two or three matches and looking over the shoulder if they haven't had a, a many big scores, um, you know, worrying about their place. But you can actually afford them potentially five or six games um, if you know to give them that experience, to give them that a little bit more opportunity, I suppose, to uh, and getting used to some very strong sides as we know in. Division Two this year with uh, with Warwickshire and uh, Middlesex uh, as well as Durham Sussex have you know they, they've been strong and Derbyshire look very strong they made some good recruitment so you know there's some very strong sides there in, in Div Two so it'll be interesting to see it be interesting to see the wickets you know I hear a lot about 
the Division Two wickets against the Division One wickets. Um, um, so that'll be an interesting thing to see. But uh, you know, the toss. I think the, the rules on the toss have, have worked really well, and uh, I think that obviously helps try and produce better wickets. Brilliant stuff, Matt. Really appreciate your time on uh, the show this week. And, uh, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how the season progresses just a couple of months right. uh, from now. And, and enjoy Dubai. And quickly, just thank you from me, Matt, for looking after my oldest son on your the Tom Maynard Trust to Desert Springs, your pre-season trip. He absolutely had a ball, so thank you very yeah. much. He's a diamond, mate. No, I wish him all the best. He's uh, he's an absolute diamond. Not, not, not unlike his old man. <laughs> Cheers, Matt. Hey. There you go. Um, well, that brings us pretty much to the end of the show, Goffey. Uh, it's been a rammed one. Uh, not too much cricket, though, in the next uh, week or so. Got the uh, South Africa-Australia series bubbling away, of course. PSL as well. But uh, it'll all be about test cricket this time next week. Looking ahead to that two-test se- Can you call it a series? I'm not even sure you can, to be honest. Uh, but two tests. It's a, I tell you what, two it's a long way, to, let's, let's, it's let's a long way to come. It's a long way to come for two test matches, that's for sure. I'm not sure how many Barmy Army will be down here. But, um, but yeah, we'll have a good week, Goffey. And, uh, yeah, same time, same place next week. Take care. So uh, thanks to the guests uh, this week as well. Lizzie Ammon, Matt uh, Maynard just then. Johnny Bairstow, of course, uh, really appreciate getting him on the show. And uh, hopefully you'll be, you'll be with us this time next week. 8 till 10 every Monday night on TalkSport 2. It's Darren Goff's Cricket Week. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 